Um, um, I definitely, absolutely, 100% wanted to chat about like the Steam sale and how I'm super tempted, by the way, to just go ahead and buy um, seven. <laughs> do it. Why don't you do it? It's, it's less than 50 bucks right now, right? Do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't have an entire game's backlog right now that uh, I, I need to actually dedicate some time to, but I'm not doing outlines Look. for podcast episodes, right? Look, owning right? games isn't about playing them, it's about having them when you, if you want to play them. Only when I want to, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I will, I will not seek advice from the person who literally has all the time in the world to sit and play video games at home. <laughs> you calling me lazy? No, I'm saying you have more time than I do to play video games, so. Yeah, so it yeah. doesn't mean you can't buy games to have there mm. for when you want to play them. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe. Yeah. Call me lazy. Jesus. I didn't know. You called yourself lazy. I did not I do that. I am lazy, but I can call uh, myself lazy. You can't. I didn't call. Rude. I didn't call you lazy. You called, your, you called yourself lazy. I didn't do it. Rude. No. Also, I adjusted my mic settings. Does it sound better? Yeah, it sounds fine. Yeah, I think it sounds better. Mm. Um, I'm pretty happy. So Also, mm -hmm. I thought... I thought that RTX wasn't until the middle of the month. Yeah. It's today. Oh, 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 uh, Brewster, but the Drewster Teeth Confection yeah. Convention, right? Oh. So in a, couple, in a few hours, we mm -hmm. should have an update on Ruby Season 9. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You know, we eventually do need to do a podcast episode on, on yes. Ruby. I really yes. do. I don't know if you, you'll like it that much because, like, I have so many things to say about things, but I think no, we'll have a good I'm, time. I'm up for having a constructive one-on-one um, -on -one about it. Couldn't I mean, what this entire sense. podcast is all about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, rewatching the series from start to finish again. Yeah. Also, like, I don't. Was was the the DC Villains Switch game like a uh, deluxe on sale for you too, or was it only for the US? No, it was on sale for me. Oh man, you should definitely yeah. get it. Like if it's like less uh, than fifteen bucks for y'all. Well, I think the sale is over now oh. on Xbox because that's where I'm going to get. it. I'm not going to get it on Switch. Oh okay. Um, I don't really have the money to spend on it. Ah, so I was going to try and buy it for you, but but I couldn't. Yeah. I was going to because it was only like 12 bucks, but I couldn't because like Switch doesn't allow you to purchase games for people, which I personally think is a huge oversight, by the mm. way. I really do. Yeah, and Steam and X oh, no, Xbox, I think, has a. Um, it's screwed up the way they've got it. You can't buy games for someone from another region. Some oh, yeah. Didn't we try yeah. and do that on Steam at one point and one game wouldn't let us do it? Yeah, one game wouldn't let us do it. It was really you, weird. But you and Mookie have both gifted me games before. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, there's certain games that won't uh, let you do it, but yeah. Yeah. It's but, dumb. Um, it's super dumb. Yeah, one of the one of the guys I know from the Achievement Hunter fandom tried to buy me um, Rocket League. That's what it was. When it was still a purchable game, but yeah. he was in America and he wouldn't um, work for me. That's what it was. Region. Yeah, now I remember. I thought it was me, but it was that that Rocket League. Thing, I think you so. no. I think you did try. You did try something. Okay. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I can't either. He's back. Yeah, I just remember being really irritated that that was a thing. Oh, that mm. was stupid. Um, I'm super excited for the end of July, so I can get this new Digimon game. Yes, you've been talking about that I'm, quite a bit. <laughs> I am itching at the bit to get it. Yeah. Because Digimon rocks. Yeah, I'm I'm behind on all the Digimon things, so it's yeah. okay though. I I still need to watch Digimon try that that anime. Like what I watched, it yeah, was yeah. pretty good, but it was just so serious. I was like, man, I needed to ooh, ease into this. So <laughs> the they did a new film, I think it is, or it could be a little mini series. that's sort of supposed to be the end of the original continuity. Oh, really? And it gets Dark. super depressing. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know, like or the original Pokemon manga, uh, Pokemon... Adventures. Uh, 
I think so. Yeah, with just red and blue and green and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like yeah, that Pokemon had, that die. Yeah, that had some super dark moments yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this Digimon. I can't remember what it. I think it may have been called the last Digivolution. Um, basically, they find out that because they're getting older, their link with their Digimon <gasps> is getting weaker. No, so it's like no some weird Mary Poppins stuff. Yeah, lame. And the, more, the more they digivolve, the faster the their connection is weakening, Aww, and sucks. eventually they will not be able to be in the digital world oh no but ultimately we know that's not true from the ending of the second season because they as adults are able to come back to the digital world so the fan mm -hmm. theory is that that through their kids their inner child is reawakened and allows them to re-establish that connection with their digimon oh okay so that still sucks though temporary it still sucks though yeah so. <sighs> All right, should we do the whole intro thing like we're supposed to do? Like that thing that we, we need to do? <laughs> I guess. You guess? Okay. Guess. All right, well, this is 32-Bit Bards, and I am Kit Rowe. And I'm Riven. And uh, we critically analyze, talk about, and or spout nonsense about all narrative forms of media, including video games and TV shows and books anime manga whatever we just feel like talking about comics so mm -hmm. yeah and this week uh i did a lot of work mm -hmm. <laughs> when we were talking and about and i did nothing <laughs> except clean <laughs> you, sh you showed up like i i'm the one who does all the research and and you show up and look adorable right is that how this works yes. That's yeah right. yeah Thanks. Kitty cat. yeah because you're a kitty cat yeah yep yeah, so th th this week we're talking about um, Diddy Kong Racing for the N64, because this has been one that you and I have the actually... The greatest game ever made. <laughs> this this has been one that you and I have actually wanted to do um, for a while, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to, I didn't want to, like, not do a good job with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be able to fully do my research, um, and... Look, this was hard, y'all. This, this, I've got like six pages in front of me. Um, and just finding in, in, in the history portion, like how the game came to be, is like two and a half pages of notes. Um, and it was a little messy there for a hot minute. Like, I was, I was genuinely like, what even is? Um, yeah, so without just like telling you everything, um, but I, I want I actually want to start with like uh how how you got into to Diddy Kong Racing Ribbon. Okay, well in the was it the autumn of nineteen ninety-eight, I got hit by a car mm -hmm. and I ended up in hospital mm -hmm. for four months and on the children's ward they had the game machine. Yeah. The game machine was this giant fucking TV. Oh sorry. That's my swear word for the, for the episode. This giant TV on uh, on wheels. Yep. And it had an N sixty four in it. And one of the games that they had with it, and they only had they only had Diddy Kong Racing, Lilat Wars. I think it was a FIFA game, and um, Top Gear Rally. Those were the four games, and. I just absolutely loved playing Diddy Kong Racing every every single time I got the chance. And I fought like hell to have that game machine in my room almost every day. <laughs> that was my that's how I was introduced to Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. So yeah, pretty fond memories um for oh, you yeah. then. Fond memories being flat on my back, not being able to get out of bed. Yeah. In pain. Um, my my story isn't quite as interesting. Um, mm. uh, we had an N64. Uh, I don't remember if... I know we got it like the year it came out. Um, mm. And I'm pretty sure we got it for Christmas or something. I think what had happened is we had got the system for Christmas. And the funny part is, is we owned Diddy Kong Racing. Um, and I think Cruising USA and a couple other games. 
Um, mm -hmm. But we did not own Mario Kart 64. We're going to get into that later. We're going to get into that later. Uh, oh, Mulp would like uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, okay, so forgot to mention this. This is recorded before a live Twitch audience. And the uh, the ether that we are talking to is uh, one of our repeat listeners, um, Mr. Mr. Megamulp. Um, and Mr. Megamulp would like to know if we could describe Diddy Kong Racing for the uninitiated. Um, well, I, I'm kind of, yeah, I guess we could kind of, do you want to do that, Riffin, or do you want me to? Um, I'll go ahead. Uh, Diddy Kong Racing is basically like Mario Kart Racing, except better, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> um, unpopular opinion there, but I think it's better. Um, instead of purely Nintendo characters, though, it was made up of mo mostly rare studios characters. It was um, Diddy Kong, Banjo, uh, um, Kronk, Kronk, yeah, Conquer, Conquer. It, it was Conquer, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know who the other characters were because they were. I think they were either made for the game or they most were, of them were made. Um, yeah, but I, I don't want to get it. Was made for the game at that point. Yeah, so I, think, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to get into it too much because um, like this is part of my research but essentially um, without going into too much detail Diddy Kong uh, was a smash hit for a number of reasons but it's different from most other racing games in the sense that it it had adventure elements incorporated into the game so you didn't just like like in most racing games that you play now like you just kind of go in you pick your racer you pick your track and you jump right into it but with Diddy Kong Racing um, you start in a world and you drive around and you find your tracks and you interact um, with that Open world. Open world. Yeah, yeah. So it had elements of, a, of an adventure game um, without going into too much detail, which was very appealing. But also the game was way harder than Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah. It's way harder, which I'll get into. Um, but I hope that answers your question, Mol, um, without me like revealing too much before I get into the actual... Uh, story. As soon as I can figure it out or mm -hmm. get a new computer, I in fully intend on doing some streams playing the game because I've got the HDMI converter for my N64 and I recently brought the game for my own collection. Oh, so. man, if you ever come to the States, like we have to play it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very, very tempted to go ahead and actually buy that modded N64 that I found. Do it! Oh. Do it! Oh, yeah. <laughs> why don't you do it? Do it. You're a bad influence, that's why. Exactly. I'm an and the more you encourage me, the less I want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, okay. So I should probably get into this. Um, I'm not going to get to like the actual explanation of the game until later on, but I, for now I just want to talk about like its roots, its story, how it kind of came to be. So... Um, Diddy Kong Racing is a strangely placed cult classic. Uh, it's often compared to Mario six, Mario Kart 64, and it's, it's really not talked about very often. Um, and it's it's my personal opinion, like in the same way that other games that were just as financially successful in the 90s, um, on the 90s Nintendo system, on the N64. Uh, which for me is really surprising given how well it like sold in the release of November of 97. Uh, so it ranked at more than... Um, it raked in like it 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 earned at least um see i'm assuming this is usd but it's worldwide um 4.88 million uh when converted to today's dollar amount would translate to over 8.88 million um i think that's correct yeah and in the u.s and power regions which is also australia new zealand mm -hmm. um and the united states like basically western regions um, i think you guys have pal don't you yeah we have pal you have ncsc Okay, that's what it is. So U.S. and power regions, uh, it sold more than 3.78 million copies um, in 97. And of all the Nintendo 64 games ever released, it is among the top 10 for sales, slotting in at number 8, beating out Star Fox, Banjo-Kazooie, Pokemon Snap, and Majora's Mask. It, it didn't It didn't beat Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, but uh, it, it's yeah, in the top. That would be a pretty tall order to beat. <laughs> it would be. Um, the top of that list, by the way, is um, uh, Mario 64. Uh, so it's, 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 it's hanging out with giants. Um, yeah. uh, 
Now, here's the thing. I think it was pretty popular here in the U.S. Um, I, I would argue that it's not talked about the same way that some other N64 or Nintendo games are in general. But it, I think, I don't know. I was like, in 97? Oh, I'm going to show my age here a bit. Let's see. I was 12, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a year older than me, and I was 12 in 98, so. Yeah. So, um little 12 year old me was pretty much not paying attention to like video game reception or you know but i i do remember like just loving it myself but based on the numbers and the research i've done like it did really well like without going into the details of the reception of the game because i want to go into that later um it, it, it was pretty well heard so maybe in australia and possibly new zealand it didn't um get as well known i'm not sure Here's the thing, when I, I got my N64 several years after yeah. it came out, because back then we just couldn't afford to get the new yeah, yeah. thing when it came out, Yeah, um, there was a secondhand game store that I would go to every now and then, mm -hmm. and I can, if they had it, I could do not remember seeing it. If they gotcha. had it, I, w I would have got it. Um. I think if the game was very popular over here, it was so popular that no one traded it in. Maybe. So it was just very hard to find. I can tell you that, I, to be fair, I didn't look up things specifically on its reception in countries other than the United States, but overall, like in the United States, um, and I think in the UK, uh, it did pretty well, like reception-wise. Mm. So, okay. And, um, and no, like, go ahead, I, sorry. I, I had my... I had a, I only had a small library of N64 games because it was just that was so expensive. Yeah, point. yeah, they um, were actually sixty dollars. Um, Fifty. Yeah. I was looking at the numbers. They they sold for fifty and sixty dollars back then. I think Diddy Kong yeah. Racing released for fifty nine ninety nine back in ninety seven, yeah. which so the USD then, it's like double. It's like a dollar eighty on every dollar by today's yeah. standards. So back then for me it was probably like eighty dollars. Oh, probably, a game, yeah. Brand new. So if I ever got a new game, it was secondhand from a yeah. video rental store. Yeah. It was actually a game-specific rental store mm -hmm. that we where I used to live. So I got most of my games from there, and they never had it. Yeah. Or, again, I would have got it. <laughs> Maybe it was just really rare, and they only gave yeah. so many to Australia, and people just kept their copies. I don't know. It would be it's something to look possible. into. Yeah. Okay, so um, as you were saying before about the creation of certain characters, so Rare created Diddy Kong. Like, the reason Diddy Kong exists is because of Rare. They invented him. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and they uh, developed basic... So, like, Donkey Kong wasn't much of a character <laughs> until Rare got a hold of him. Um, yeah, Rare... Made, uh, Donkey Kong Country Games. Yeah, Rare did that. Um, much to, I think, Miyamoto's... Not dismay, but, like... Miyamoto didn't have any control over the Donkey Kong that Rare developed Donkey yeah. Kong into. Um, yeah. Which, uh, from what I was reading in some of the reports, he wasn't, like, be about, but it wasn't, like, a whole deal or anything. Um, we might yeah. actually have to do an episode on Donkey Kong Country at one point, because those games were so much fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I never played them, but I, I will for you. Uh, I'll do the research, and you, you can be the cute kitty. Um yeah. So, uh, because of Rare, Donkey Kong evolved into a character that went beyond Mario's just being Mario's mm. first nemesis, uh, you know, when Peach yeah. was just Pauline. Uh, they're responsible for the creation of, like you said, Conker, Banjo, and Kazooie. Additionally, the racer Tip Tup appears in a later Banjo-Kazooie game. Crunch the Kremlin, um, the, the, the crocodile-like character, is another racer. Yep. Uh, had a design that would carry over into Donkey Kong 64. And Trick Tricky, the Triceratops, um, was used as an inspiration for Prince Tricky and Star Fox. So... Yeah. Uh, now there's the complete. I got that information from the completionist in that video I sent you. Yeah. Um, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, um, yeah. So now there's conflicting reports about how Diddy Kong Racing started, what it merged from, and how it fully came to be. Lee Schoonerman, I think that's how you say his name. No, there's no R in it. Schoonerman. Lee Schoonerman. Uh, director of the game in a 2009 special issue of a magazine called Games, which, by the way, I had to track this this thing down. 
Um, and like, I was very fortunate to be able to find a high quality PDF on archive.org um, because the only thing that I could find about like the creation of this game and like what went into it and the process um, was from a 2014 article, which I'll get into. But um, yeah, so you know those like one-off magazines that when you go in the store, you'll find. Um, you don't see them as often now, but you used to see them a lot back in the 90s and 2000s and 2010s, where it's like a single issue, and it's just like, oh, 100 best movies uh, yes, or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. yes. So that's what this is, this 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 PDF that I have. That's It's from 2009, and it's the 25 greatest Nintendo games, I guess, of all time or something from, you know, yeah. So Diddy Kong Racing is is in that issue, and they did a whole thing on it. Um, so yeah, uh, Schoenerman stated that the game began with a caveman time travel RTS um, that he, Lee Musgrave, on our Chris Stamper, the lead engineer. Chris Stamper is one of the co-founders of Rare, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and Rob Harrison for Software worked on together. Uh, assets from that eventually made their way onto Diddy Kong Racing. And Mulp has a question. He says, pre-internet articles in magazines form? Fascinating. <laughs> we had internet in 2009, sir. <laughs> yes. They, they, we, <laughs> he said, pre-internet internet. internet. <laughs> to be fair, the electronic gaming monthly magazine that I've pulled information from for this uh, podcast, uh, I believe is almost pre-internet. So someone scan those in. Uh, just like they did the 2009 magazine that I'm using. Um, anyway, so assets from the Caveman Time Travel RTS that he and these uh, three other guys worked on, who uh, were like the four main ones, by the way, um, for Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, Lee Musgrave, Chris Stamper, Rob Harrison, um, and Lee Schoenman. Um so according to Schumann, work on that concept didn't last long, which he, which which seems this is where it gets weird, by the way, um, which seems to conflict and coincide somewhat with an online article from Nintendo Life in 2014 by Martin Watts. So, in the article, uh, he states, for reasons unknown, a rumor persists online today that the game's very first concept was in fact a real-time strategy game with caveman time travel theme. However, Musgrave, who was on art confirms that this was never the case. And he's quoted as saying, just before Diddy Kong Racing, there was a month's worth of work on a strategy game I did with Chris Stamper. But that was in the style of Command and Conquer and not related. I rendered a few catapults, but other than that, it didn't go anywhere and died after a month. We had a go at it, but in the end, it looked like the racing game had more legs. Uh, so it's possible that the writer for the article Watts misunderstood Grave, or that mm -hmm. Musgrave remembers things differently than Schumann. Uh, Musgrave seems to confirm what Schumann said about it not lasting long by saying it didn't go anywhere. So yeah. it's the thing is the quotes that are in the article don't they don't explicitly state anything um, that M Watts is inferring. So I just either one of two things happened. Like I said, either he misunderstood uh, or just decided to infer things that aren't actually true. I'm I'm not certain. So probably a mix of both. Yeah. So uh, regardless, there's plenty of concept art in the game special issue magazine to more than support that Diddy Kong Racing was at one point called Wild Cartoon Kingdom and then Adventure Racers. Shimon told Games that the design of the adventure world aspect of the game, the central hub connected to worlds on the island, was inspired by Disney World and its smaller theme themed areas in the park. Um, so, and you can see this in the theme of each world in the game, each location, mm -hmm. uh, Snowflake Mountain with ice and snow and Christmas themes, Dino Domain with dinosaur and caveman themes, Sherbert Island with pirate and island themes, and then Dragon Forest with dragons and medieval themes. And finally, if you, if you actually made it that far in the game, um, and you did all the things you needed to do, uh, Future Funland, a space and sci-fi area that can only be accessed, like I said, uh, specifically like once the player gets four first place trophies and defeats Whizpig the first time. Mm -hmm. You only get all those trophies and, and then defeat them once to even like get to that part. Uh, and I'm not even going to tell you what you have to do to do all of that yet. Because that's a whole thing um, <laughs> yeah. that, I, that, I, that I forgot about. <laughs> um, so, but how did it become Diddy Kong Racing we know today, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, creation started in 1995. And I say... 
by the way, there's no specific date listed for when they started working on this. Um, it's, it's just in the, uh, entertainment monthly, uh, entertaining gaming, the magazine in an article by Boyer, uh, it's the magazine is dated for 97 and in the interview he says you guys started on this to Shunman um like two years ago so i'm like okay so they probably working on it in 95 because Shunman didn't correct him um the main character at the time was timber the tiger and the game itself was eventually renamed from wild cartoon kingdom and adventure racers to pro-am 64 Shunan demoed this fully playable version of the game at E3 in June of 97 to Miyamoto, who, by the way, he beat at the game, <laughs> which apparently Miyamoto took pretty well. <laughs> so, it's like um, rubbing salt in the wound, isn't it? <laughs> Here, I made this game that, by the way, isn't Mario Kart 64. <laughs> and I'm going to beat you at it. <laughs> and I'm going to beat you at it. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he cared. Apparently, to be fair, like Rare had an actually really great relationship um, with Nintendo. Um, Lee Shunman, um, or no, sorry, Chris Stamper and Tim Stamper, the the two brothers who started Rare, uh, actually like went to Kyoto, Japan, and uh, like talked to Nintendo and like showed them their stuff. And Nintendo was so impressed. They were like, "Yeah, like you can make our games and stuff. That's cool." And then eventually they bought like 49% in Rare. Like, mm -hmm. so they, they were one of the few Western companies that Nintendo actually like invested and trusted with a lot of their assets and content and characters. It's pretty interesting. Like, yeah. I, I know that game people know about Rare, but I feel like the average gamer doesn't really know how much Rare did for Nintendo. And I feel like that mm -hmm. needs to be talked about more. So they're kind of amazing. <laughs> um, Okay, so Musgrave, the, the, the guy on art, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he reported something similar in his interview with Watt, saying that in the July of 97, after E3, Banjo-Kazooie was chosen as the Christmas game for Rare and Nintendo. Now, the article seems to indicate that Diddy Kong was chosen as the main character over Timber. This is the article by Watts. Um, Diddy Kong was chosen as the main character over Timber, and the game was rebranded because of Banjo's delayed release. However, Shunman tells it differently, saying that Miyamoto and Nintendo liked what they saw so much they offered Diddy as the lead mascot for the game at E3 when he demoed it. Of it, Shunman explained, I remember we were initially against using Diddy Kong, but it's a good job we listened at the end, as being part of the Donkey Kong brand was a great plus. So again, it's possible that Watts misunderstood. Musgrave in his quotes isn't entirely sure himself, saying, I don't know how the politics of it worked, but the decision was made that rebranding the game to Diddy Kong Racing would work better, especially as a Christmas AAA release. Mm -hmm. So, in all fairness, yes. yeah, <laughs> in all fairness, this game uh, was released in 97. In the game's interview magazine, uh, Special Issue, the story, it was written in 2009. And the interview with Musgrave was in 2014. Uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but time has a blurring memory. Um Additionally, Schumann was the director of the game versus Musgrave, who was just the artist. Um, not, well, I, I don't mean like just the artist. He was like the lead artist, uh, but he wasn't the director. He didn't have his hands in as many his hands in as many pots as Schumann likely would have. So one could argue that Schumann would have known more about what was going on, the politics, as it were, and the timeline that Musgrave um, more about the timeline than Musgrave simply because of his job role in the project. So um, it's personally like. After I've done all this research and looked into this and really kind of looked at both of the articles and seen both of them, my opinion is that Musgrave remembers certain specific things, not like 100%, or he didn't have as much privy to things as Schoenman did. I also feel like Watts misreported on whatever Musgrave was trying to say. Um, I do think that Schoenman has the right of it. I think what he's saying is accurate, that this game did start out as a concept with RTS elements and caveman time travel themes. And some of those assets went into the game that would eventually uh, become Wild Cartoon Kingdom and then that um, racing adventure game. And then that eventually siphoned down into Pro-Am 64 with Temper the Tiger as the lead character. And then when he talked to Miyamoto, Miyamoto was like, hey, here's Diddy. And he's like, sure, cool, we'll change all of that. And the reason I think that, A, the flow of it makes more sense. But also, I'm less inclined to believe... Uh, the thing is, E3 that year was in June. Um, 
they had already decided that Banjo-Kazooie was going to be their Christmas release in July. So if he met with Miyamoto at E3 in June and, and was like, here's Diddy, and then July they were like, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is going to be the Christmas release. But then they changed their mind on it. They were still, they had just decided that in July. So that means that they would have still been having to work logically on Banjo-Kazooie for maybe a month or two afterward before they decided, hey, we're going to need more time on this. Um, or we're not going to, it's not going to be the Christmas release. So to me, like, it makes more sense that Diddy would have already been decided and things would have already started changing for that game versus, oh, we're going to make Diddy the main character because this is going to be the Christmas release. So y'all need to figure this out. And they would have had way less time to change all of that over. And then there's advertising to think of. Like, I know that crunch is a thing and that businesses will just figure things out. And they did that in 97. But to me, it just makes more sense that it wasn't a last minute decision to make Diddy the main character. Miyamoto gifted that during E3, like Shunman said. And then the Christmas decision was only made like after all of those other decisions were made. Like it just was like another thing where it's like, well, this is going to be the Christmas game because Banjo Kazooie's not done. And it's cool that you picked Diddy to be the main character because that makes it easier to sell at Christmas. <laughs> to me, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I'm inclined to believe that. Um, unless we get these guys all to sit down like in a panel together and really talk about this and sort it out, like that's the take that I'm going to take on it because Schumann was the director he was the project lead. He would have known more about what was going on. So, um, okay. So regardless of how it happened, the rebranding worked well when Banjo-Kazooie was delayed right out of the Christmas slot. Nintendo didn't have anything lined up. And according to Musgrave, the team behind Banjo-Kazooie had loads of stuff in the game, but they thought they could really push it towards being a Super Mario 64 killer. So they wanted to do more on it, which meant they were going to miss the Christmas slot. So, I mean, that's... That's why Diddy Kong Racing ended up there in the limelight. Um, the team rushed to make it a time, which was no small task in a few months. Crunch, as we call it today, was strong even then. Honestly, I think it was worse. Um, of it, Musgrave said, thankfully, the tracks were almost done, like the racetracks, I assume, and the pickups were arbitrary, made-up things. It was just kind of a rush job to change the packaging of it. Uh, because it was the only N64 game to release in the holiday season, Nintendo put a lot of advertising money into it. One can imagine what would have happened if Banjo-Kazooie hadn't been delayed until the summer of 98. Without the coveted Christmas slot, it's possible that Diddy, King, Diddy Kong Racing might not have even gotten as much notice or sold nearly as many copies. And I'm like, that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I think it would have been a more interesting story if, if they had decided to change the characters at the last minute because Banjo-Kazooie wasn't going to be released. Um, and it was like, oh, well, the only reason Diddy's in this game is because it needs to go on the Christmas slot, and so that's why. But I just, it's a nice story, but I don't, I don't think it happened that way. It doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. But, um... So Receptor for the game was really good on release and actually met with critical acclaim. Graphics and gameplay were uh, praised, the most praised aspects of the game. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly named it Racing Game of the Year in their Editor's Choice Awards in 97, and it won Console Racing Game of the Year at the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences in 98, beating out Mario Kart 64, Motor Racer, and NASCAR 98. Pro Gamer gave it a 4 out of 5, 4.5 out of 5 for sound and perfect 5 in control graphics and fun factor, calling it a feverishly fun Nintendo 64 racer that combines elements of Mario Kart 64, Wave Race 64, and Pilot Wing 64 into one spectacular game. And I would actually argue it also kind of combines um, Mario 64 as well, just because oh, of yeah. the adventure element. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it was really well received, at least in the United States. Um, and it's really fortunate that it that Banjo-Kazooie was delayed because, I mean, I don't want to know like how well Banjo-Kazooie would have done during Christmas, but I'm happy that Diddy Kong Racing got that nice little slot because I really don't, I kind of agree. I don't think, I really don't think it would have done as well. Um, yeah. That's, that's really my assertion. So I don't know if you wanted to say anything before I got into the game itself. <laughs> oh, I, I, would, I was just going to say, like, I, I think another reason why it did pretty well is because of the character designs, parents, getting Christmas gifts would have yeah. looked at and seen it as a very safe 
option to get their kids. Also, it had a Christmas theme. There was a Christmas theme yeah. track where they had the Christmas villages and all the lights yeah, and everything. Yeah. Dude, the music slaps. Music slaps yeah. so hard in that game. Like, it is just a joy to listen to. I was watching, like, Let's Plays for it to kind of, like, remember how certain things were because it's literally been, like, over 10 years since I've even, like, cracked the game open on an emulator. Yeah. And um, it's so good. The music is so good. It's so yeah, good. It is. The whole game is great. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm pretty sure that it's a game Wolf would like. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, I'm really, really hoping that they will make a like re-release of something on Switch. So it's one of my top. You're getting too far ahead of ourselves with that. Okay. Oh, we're gonna do that at the end. But yeah, okay. you're free to talk about it. <laughs> I don't have any news if that's what you mean. No, but no. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. <laughs> okay. So, as we both know, um, some players found game progression not only highly difficult, but really repetitive. Um, game's really repetitive, um, but some people like that, you know, honestly. Um, yeah. For some people, it was really rewarding, and it one benefit was it was weighted towards skill learning when combined with other mechanics in the game. So, like, AI racers didn't teleport. Items were not randomized, nor were they contingent on where you were in the race. And there were no blue turtle shells to screw you out of a well-earned win at the last second. Um, even so, it is, it's not an easy game to complete. Like, I never beat it to this day. Like, it is, it is no, hard. It it's a hard game. I don't feel bad about it either. It's hard. Do you know that people have... Speed run, speed ran, speed ran it like an hour, hour and a half, I think. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't do speed running. Oof. I feel All like right. speed running just defeats the point of playing the game. Yeah. I, for some people, it's fun, you know? So. Especially the ones that do glitch speed running. Like, what's mm. the point? You're not playing the game. You're glitching to the end. It's, that's a I whole other topic. <laughs> Um, well, maybe we'll do an episode on things you don't like about the way people play games. Things yeah. Riven doesn't like about how people play video games. There'll be a whole new segment of the show called <laughs> Things Riven Hates. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to try and explain the game stuff a little bit. Um... Because it gets complicated, so uh, feel free to jump in, Riven, and be like, wait a minute, what? Um, if you feel like it's it's a little confusing, because it's it's kind of confusing to explain. Sure. So, okay. So, Golden Balloons. Uh, Golden Balloons unlock races. There are 47 in total, and four are hidden on the island, like, not in races. Pretty straightforward. Basically, Golden Balloons act as kind of like the stars do in Mario Kart. Um, or no, I think no, no. I was I should say Mario Mario sixty four. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, so you have a first boss round, and to to unlock your first boss round um, on a given, I'm gonna call them worlds. So there's the island, and yeah. then there's worlds, um, and then there's subworlds, which I'm gonna call tracks. So island, worlds, tracks, race tracks. Um, so you need to win first race in all four races, like all four tracks, in each world. Uh, that's Dino Domain, Snowy Mountain, Sherbet Island, and Dragon Forest to unlock the boss in each of those worlds. And once you do that, you can then race the boss. And when you win against the boss, it'll then unlock the silver coin challenges. You with me so far? Yep. Okay. So do all the races, get first place, then you can race the boss. Once you race the boss, you unlock silver coin challenges. Okay. Now to get Wizpig's amulet, which you need to defeat Wizpig, um, you gather all the silver coins. So you do all those races again that you just did. All four tracks in a world. Um, you get all the coins and you have to win first place. After you do that, you fight the boss again. The same boss you fought the first time in that world. Like for um, uh, Dino Domain, it's it's Tricky the Triceratops. Tricky mm -hmm. the Triceratops. Um, so if you win that time, you receive one part of Wizpig's amulet for each of the four worlds. Four pieces. And when you get all four pieces of that amulet, you'll then unlock the Wizpig race. Like the first one. <laughs> you still with me? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still with you. <laughs> okay. Then, 
Then once you beat the boss a second time and collect that piece of the whiz pig amulet, you unlock the trophy race in that world. Um, which I think in, in some, some people call it the, um, uh, the Grand Prix of that world. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to call it the trophy race. And basically like you, you, you do, you hit the, um, the glass case that the trophy would be in. Um, and it'll be like, oh, trophy race or whatever. And, and you go through all four races kind of like you do in Mario Kart when you, um, do, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like four races. You can't, you can't, if you cancel, you have to start all over again. So you have to do all four and get so many points and get first place. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you do that, you get the whiz pig trophy, the gold trophy, um, which will eventually give you access to future fun world, the sci-fi world, where you can beat whiz pig a second time, but only if you also have TT's amulet, which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> Are you with me still? Yeah, I'm still with you. Unless okay. I say otherwise, I'm with you. <laughs> it's kind of fun asking you, so. Um, <laughs> then there's battle challenges. Battle challenges can be unlocked by finding hidden keys in the tracks. Each world has one key in one track that will unlock the world's battle challenge. Now, if you win the battle challenge, it will give you one piece of TT's amulet. Again, there are four in total, one in each world, getting all four will unlock TT's door and then give you access to the second and final race against Whizpig. Okay, then there's TT and Drumstick. Uh, TT and Drumstick are both racers that you can unlock in the game. Um, if you beat TT, uh, who's like the secretary, he's like a clock in each of the worlds um, that kind of hangs out in the middle of the, the world's lobby before you go into the racetracks. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you can unlock him as a playable character um, by beating him in all of the races, uh, putting the time trials on, I think is what you have to do. And then you race mm -hmm. him and you beat him. And he's really hard, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then Drumstick is, isn't, I guess he's not, depending on your level of difficulty drumstick is pretty easy to unlock you just have to get all four trophies so you 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 know you play the game like normal and you and you get those mm -hmm. and you win first place in all the grand prix um trophy yeah. races and then once you do that um there'll be a frog on the island um that has <coughs> uh Sorry. no you're cool he has a rooster crest and you run over the frog and then you you can play drumstick yeah. um and if and if that isn't enough for you, by the way, after you do all of that and you beat Whizpig a second time, there's Adventure 2, which is basically hard mode before hard modes were really a thing. Um, they did exist, by the way. I'm not saying they didn't. Oh, yeah. Castlevania apparently had one of the first hard modes in a game like the original Castlevania. Yeah. I, by the way, I looked into that. I was not able to find what game had the original hard mode, but there's one out there and that information exists and I just don't know what it is yet. But Castlevania, as far as I know, is one of the first ones. Um, in video games, anyway, that had like a, a hard mode actually in the game. So, all right. anyway, look, so look, essentially back in the day, all games were <laughs> hard mode, right? Okay, so Adventure Two again is like hard mode before they were a thing. It featured reverse tracks, so you're doing the whole game all over again, but in reverse. And wow. silver coins are placed in harder to get places, and just the overall difficulty is harder. So it's the same exact game, but all the tracks are reversed, and the silver coins are harder to get, and the races are harder. So if you thought Jeez. the game was already hard enough, <laughs> the game's harder. <laughs> and that's the whole game. Wow. Yeah. 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 I never even got Adventure 2. I don't think I knew no, anyone who did either. <laughs> I don't think I ever got the Moose Pig. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Um, yeah. Okay, so we have to, like, um, poke the elephant in the room, though, for sure. Uh, Diddy Kong Racing is very often compared to Mario Kart 64. Yes, that yeah. other inferior game franchise. <laughs> um, but, but, but it is pretty different, and, 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 and I'm sure much to your joy, I've got an entire list of how it's different. Would you like to okay. hear it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Mm, Diddy Kong, yeah, Diddy Kong Racing, unlike Mario Kart 64, uh, used full 3D models instead of sprites for the racers. But the wheels on the on the carts were, in fact, sprites in Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> which I did not know um, until I did all my research here for this, this here podcast episode. Um, 
Musgrave in the, uh, stated that Rob Harrison, one of our four software engineers, created this tech which worked out where the camera would begin looking in relation to the sprite. So it resulted in this really nice effect, 3D cars with sprite wheels that look solid and real. So I think it's kind of cool that the, the wheels on the on the carts, on the Kong carts are sprites, but like the characters are fully 3D and so are the carts. So it's a very interesting choice for sure. Yeah, it looks good. Um, so this game also used a hybrid of several different game engines to combine both racing and adventure elements, which honestly, I think it's one of the reasons the game appealed to me so much over other racing games at the time. And I, I still, I've always loved racing games, but I think Diddy Kong, like the reason it's so special to me is because it has those adventure exploratory elements. So, um, so it allowed for more than carts as racing vehicles. There are planes and hovercrafts, um, which you can eventually use on every track. Like once you get far enough, you can you can use your planes on on tracks that you previously used carts on. Uh, yep. Mario Kart did not have that. Um, it introduced boss races at a time when no other race title uh, had such a thing. Like that I know of, can, I can't think of any other games even now that are racing games that have like boss no, races the same I, way that Diddy Kong does. No, I can't think of any either. Which but I think is again, cool. I didn't play a lot of racing games back then so i wouldn't know yeah i think it's cool i i would like mm. to see bosses in racing games in general so uh so it encouraged world exploration via balloon and key hunting to open up new parts of the games sometimes in the middle of races it had an overarching story and plot mario kart didn't have that our pig has taken over and it's up to the racers to stop him and kick him off the island for good uh drumstick is also part of the story as the first racer to challenge him and lose, and his punishment was to be turned into a frog that, again, the player has to unlock and free. So it had a whole story, like, in the book. Like, I don't know how many kids actually read the, the book or even had access to it. Like, I don't I, think that you probably would have. have yeah, but there's there's a whole story. Um, it's pretty cute. Um, so that, that was the thing with games back then. Like, all, the lore in that was mm -hmm. in the booklets. It, you didn't yeah. really get it in the games unless it was specifically a story-centric game. Yeah, the games didn't, I think, really have enough until, like, the PS2 and sometimes the N64. Like, they didn't really have enough memory to do these cutscenes and stuff. So I, I would say it started with PS1 era, mm -hmm. at least. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. PS1 and N64 yeah. were the first consoles to really start having that. Yeah. yeah. But th th this isn't to say there weren't games that had the didn't have a story in them. There absolutely was. It just was very rare for yeah. them to be those sort of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so m one of my favorite parts, power-ups are not contingent on where you are in a race. They're identifiable by color and not random. This allows for more skill-based gaming over luck-based. They also stack, sometimes becoming stronger or improving other ways. So like three stacks of the missiles <clears throat> will give mm -hmm. you 10 missiles to unleash on opponents. Uh, they don't disappear and return after a time. Balloons will stay, and in battle mode, like if you're doing a battle challenge, uh, either in multiplayer or just with the AI, you can go forward and reverse and stack your power-ups, like, right then. Um, which which Mario Kart, I don't think, has ever had. <laughs> like, so... Um, um, where, like, it just instantly uh, appears. Like, there's usually uh, a timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but in... Yeah. In Diddy Kong, like, the balloon just comes right back. Um, yeah. And you know exactly what you're getting because they're color-coded, so you yeah. know what to stack. It allows it allows for more skill-based. Strategic racing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which I think, I think honestly, is why I get so frustrated with Mario Kart, because it's, I don't know how much Mario Kart I actually played before Diddy Kong Racing, if I'm honest with you. And I think Diddy Kong Racing was one of my first real experiences growing up with a kart racing game that I actually played and like got into Whoa. and knew about. And so not having that Mario Kart, I was like, this is lame. Like people can just, there's, it's not skill-based. Yeah. Well, before Diddy Kong Racing, there was only two Mario Kart games. Cause I think Mario Kart started with the end with the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. It did. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So one, it would have been very limited to what they could have done with the Super Nintendo. And then mm -hmm. I think with the, 64 they just weren't interested in being ambitious with it Maybe. at that point they well, just also, wanted to create a money maker well it, 
I don't want to discount the work that Nintendo puts into their games, their their oh, IPs. No, no. I think that it's a conscious choice on their part to in, to have blue shells and yeah, yeah. Um, to have items contingent on where you're positioned in a race to allow for players that are not quite as good at the kart racing to have the ability to actually challenge people who are much better at it. But I dislike that aspect of it. I, the one thing I like yeah, about yeah. Diddy Kong Racing is that you actually... Have to, you can practice and get better, and if like you're doing badly at it, it's just because you're just you're not good at the game. Like you're yeah. not. <laughs> period. <laughs> so, um, and I like that about it. That's just me. But um, in multiplayer battle, you do more than blast your opponents. So two courses in Diddy Kong have you gathering supplies and trying to hold them long enough to win. So there's there's the one Dino Domain challenge where you gather like one Dino egg at a time. Um, and you can steal other people's dino eggs and you put them in your nest and they have to stay there long enough to, to hatch. Um, and other racers can steal your eggs and basically the first person to get three eggs wins. Um, whereas in Mario Kart, as far as I understand it, uh, you, you just eliminate your opponents um, in yeah. some form of fashion. And then the other Pretty one much. is, yeah, and then the other one is bananas. Like you have to gather 10 bananas before the other racers. Um, mm. There's there's four total, but those are the two where it's it's not just like destroying your opponents. Um, each course is its own self-contained environment. If you find yourself stuck, you will have to drive yourself back. There's no friendly latitude that will come fish you out of the abyss. By the way, like there's a Mario Kart. So in in Diddy Kong Racing, like if you run off the track, like you have to get yourself back. No one's gonna help you. Um, no one's gonna put you back on it. Like you're, you're yeah. But also. I never really thought about it, but I don't think you can actually fall off the track in Diddy Kong Racing like you can in Mario Kart, mm. like like into the abyss per se, like an actual yeah, abyss. Yeah, yeah. No, you can def definitely go off the. But you can always get back on track it. Track and get stuck in certain places. You yeah, have, and you have to work your way out of it. Yeah, I've done that many a times. Which I actually <laughs> think I like better because yeah. I don't have to worry about falling off the course and not, you know. I don't know. I think it's kind of, it balances out uh, something that otherwise probably would make the game more difficult for younger players. So mm -hmm. I actually kind of like that. I never really thought about it that way until like this moment, but yeah. Also the AI racers don't cheat. They play the game the same way you do, uh, but you know, they're smart and they will take shortcuts and they do attack other AI racers. So, mm -hmm. but apparently like in Mario Kart, like they'll just teleport. Um, I've never really looked into it, but really? that, I guess like they'll just do that. They'll cheat like that. Um, but yeah, this means you only have yourself to blame if you lose, by the way. So <laughs> like if you lose at Diddy Kong, you're just bad at the game. Um, you exactly. get good, get good. Uh, one of the things I really like about all these elements is that the game difficulty builds on itself when combined with skill-based over luck-based mechanics by making you repeat the tracks. But differently each time so like the time travels the silver corn races the reverse course races by the time you get to the end like you actually feel like you've earned it with diddy kong instead of just like oh good the blue shell didn't get me this time like not to totally crap on mario kart 64 but i feel like diddy kong racing combines platforming adventuring games and racing and maybe that's why it's so special like you wouldn't yeah. think of it as a platforming game but the fact that it doesn't have those weird luck-based elements that mario kart 64 has and it has like all these other things and you can and it forces you to like do the races over and over again the same way that like a platform can be platformer can be kind of repetitive makes it really unique so yeah well by comparison a mario kart racing game is basically chaos yeah it is 100%. Survive the chaos, you win. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, there are ways to master it outside of all oh, the, the luck stuff true. that it throws at you, and a lot of it requires you to know where to be in the race at any given point in time to get the items you need to really, like, beat out the competition. But yeah. I, I don't I don't like playing poker. Just to put it simply, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I just like Diddy Kong Racing better. It's a better game. Diddy Kong Racing yeah. is better than Mario Kart 64. It's better. It's a better oh, game. League's better. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I, I would <laughs> say Diddy Kong Racing is a better racing game than any of the Mario Kart racing games. At to at least the Switch. Yeah. Um, 
Deluxe, what Mario Kart Racing Deluxe. Yeah. Eight or whatever it's called. Yeah. So now we're getting to one of your favorite parts, other than the end. <laughs> um. So I don't think we'll see a remaster. Uh, no, never do I. A much less a remake. And here's why. And you already know this, but, you know, for the people listening... Um, Microsoft owns Rare and the characters Conquer, Banjo, and Kazooie, while Nintendo owns Diddy and the others. Um, I think they... I don't think they own Tip Top and the, and the mouse. I'm not entirely sure because I know Microsoft... No, 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 no. No, they do because they re-released the DS game and I think it had Tip Top in yeah, it. Yeah, it did. But they... I don't know. It's confusing. Anyway, um, beyond that, the magic of the original game to me, could be argued, was the team behind it. Uh, the environment of Rare at the time and the support they had from being partially invested and owned in by Nintendo, which at the time was 49%. Um, they also took risks in the 80s and the 90s. It's why we have games like Diddy Kong Racing, Battletoads, inspired by TNT, and Killer Instinct, inspired by Mortal Kombat, and the critically acclaimed GoldenEye 007. And while Perfect Dark, as a spiritual successor to GoldenEye 007, didn't do as well as some other titles financially for Rare on the N64 console. It is in the top 20 of all-time bestsellers for the system, ranking it at number 19. So Rare produced a lot of really great games between, like, even before they were Rare. Like, Chris and Tim Stamper in, um, for, I think Rare became a company in 85, um, were putting out these really excellent, renowned games in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. And they were, they were, very well liked um, their games were liked and they had a cult following when it wasn't really much of a thing when people really didn't know developers like they knew the Stamper brothers um so they sold their company and then did rare and um they made a lot of really great games and and they had the full support of nintendo like nintendo gave them an unlimited budget after they came to kyoto and was like hey you should like you know chill out with us and let us make games for you which is just wild right so yeah. they they were like beasts between the eighties and nineties um, before Microsoft got them and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because Microsoft owns them, it's a very different company than before um, in a time that's very different with different technologies. It's really hard, in my opinion, to say that magic can be replicated. Most of those who worked on the original Diddy Kong racing have moved on from rare. Oh, and yeah. from, and to me, without that magic, it might be difficult to do more than make a remaster. But with rights for the characters split between two companies, it would come down to Nintendo to make the game without Conquer and Banjo. And, you know, they could. They did it for the DS. Um, they, they put in oh, it can other... absolutely be done. Yeah. They put other characters in the DS one. Um, uh, the other, the, the girl, uh, Diddy Kong, the sister or whatever. I don't know what yeah, her name is. Because uh, I'm not a Donkey Kong fan in general, but... Uh, I can't remember. But you know what I'm talking about? The one with the, the pink cat yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she I know re- which one you're talking about. She she was added in along with yeah so um one of the, the she was added as a replacement and added another female character to the game because I believe they still had Pipsy Pipsy the mm. mouse in the DS one um oh excuse me so my issue though is not even just the characters it's um would it really be the same game without people like Lee Musgrave Lee Shunman Rob Harrison and the Stamper Brothers um for me. And my ideal like dream of this game coming out again, Microsoft and Nintendo would agree to work together or lend licensing. And we would see something of a complete rebuild, very much like Spyro or Crash released a few years ago. Oh, yeah. and, and also that, like 100%. That would be the ideal. <laughs> yeah, and they'd have to bring Dave Wise back for the soundtrack because like it's just, you have to have, you have to have that iconic soundtrack, but done better. Yeah. You know, like you just have to. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, That's... all that being said, last <laughs> last year in September there was a um article that came out saying that um Diddy Kong Racing is potentially coming to Switch Online. Yeah, there's you know, there was like, rumors in the rumor mill. Yeah, yeah um, in September of last year. Un- unspecified point in the near future. Yeah, and it was only rumors. There was nothing confirmed, yeah. nothing really solid. It was it was just a leak, um, that, an unconfirmed the, leak. Yeah, the guy that did leak it, though, was, had reportedly and correctly um, predicted the release of other rare titles. Yeah. Like Banjo-Kazooie and that. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So it could still happen. It just won't be a remaster, which I'm still okay with. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be able to play it on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, as long as I can get to play Diddy Kong Racing in any form, like it's that's great. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind it on the Switch, but I only would be concerned about the controls because, like, I'm not going to say that Mario 64 is unplayable, but the controls are perfectly playable. It is playable, but and I would say it's more playable than it was on the 64. I think the controls are a bit more sensitive than they were on the 64, but I haven't played it on the 64 since I was a Wii one. So I, I since I was at least probably like 12 or 14. Actually, I played it in high school, so at least was, maybe 14 or 15. Mario 64 yeah. was the game I played the absolute most on the 64, and yeah. I can say now the controls on the Switch are so much better. And they were just really bad on N64 because, like, on the Switch, they are so sensitive. Like, I, the, the turns that Mario makes, like, in the jumps and stuff, like, it just, it feels very sensitive. But um, I'm still going to play it anyway. I don't know if I'll ever beat it, but that was not why I played in Mario 64 when I was a teenager. Um, yeah. But, yeah, if Diddy Kong Racing comes out on Nintendo Switch online, that would be reason enough for me to pay the ridiculous extra price for the 64 expansion oh man if they did like a racing all-stars like with mario kart 64 and diddy kong and maybe one other racing game that would make my day but i really would like it to get the same treatment that spyro and crash did and i think spyro and crash are really special um with what they did for those games and i don't know i don't know if we'll get that with any other games in the future um I want to say I heard something about them remaking Gek. Oh, interesting. I never got into that one. Was that a game that you enjoyed? I never got to play it. Oh. It was another one of those games that just wasn't available for me to play. Yeah. I gotcha. So. I want to say it was Gek. It may have been... There was another one. There was Gek and another one. I know a lot of people want the the spy one, the um, Sly Cooper. They really want a re-release. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. So that one's not '90s old, but it's it's renowned enough that people want a really nice release on it. So, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't have any hopes for Diddy Kong. Um, no, neither do I. But because the licensing is it's just fun to dream. Yeah, the licensing is just so wonky, and I, I do think that you're right. If we get anything. It will be a Nintendo Switch Online release. I don't think... I would be very surprised and overjoyed if we got a solid release for it like we did with Mario All-Stars. I do want to say that if it was possible for it to happen at any time, it would be now. Because like 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been. Microsoft would absolutely not have been open to that idea. Neither would Nintendo. But in the modern age, they're... They've, both of these companies have become much more open to doing collaborative sort of things like that, where PlayStation is becoming way more isolationist. Yeah. Isolationist. Yep, mm. isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's... I think Microsoft... Of- well, I was just going to say, I think Microsoft would be more willing than Nintendo. Nintendo yeah. is very close to the chest and uh, so many things to say about all of that, oh, but... Yeah. Um, Microsoft likes to play ball, usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that Nintendo would play ball with Microsoft, but I would love to see it happen. I really, yeah. really would. I think it'd be beautiful. So, yeah. as I was yeah. gonna say, it's unlikely but possible. Yeah, yeah. we can dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I. I don't have anything else to say about this to you. I think I think I I did a good job, I right? Did all. Yeah. yeah, you did a lot of research. What did you think? Did you like it? It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. I'm pretty happy with it. So yeah. Should be. Um Okay. I guess that's the end of this episode. And we're just gonna have to like promote our stuff and say goodnight, right? Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Um so if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at kit underscore row, K-I-T underscore R-O-E. Um, but 
the podcast Twitter is 32 bit bards. 32 lit the number B I T B A R D S. Um, we need more subscribers. So please subscribe to, to our Twitter. Um, and you can find all of the good things that I do on my webpage at kitrow.com. K I T R O E dot com. Uh, I think that's everything. Uh, now you just got to plug your stuff, dude. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at um, Oni Riven, O-N-I-R-I-V-Y-N, and that's it. Yeah. Because I'm so. slack on doing social media and stuff like yeah. that. So <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of work for me. I had a ton of fun finding all the information, um, and I really want to do more stuff like this even though it's a lot of work so um we're trying to stack up our episodes into a little pile so that we can release them so um if it's been a while since you've heard from us uh outside of twitch if you're listening to this on a podcast um uh i don't know like system platform platform um then then that's why because uh we're trying to stack up a pile of them so we're not we're only doing we're not doing as much work every month right riven yes i'm doing a lot of work now so i don't have to do a lot of work later yes. <laughs> yeah so anyway like we hope you enjoyed this and uh say good night riven good night we'll, uh see you guys next time bye bye bye